Hi. Hello. Are you guys are you guys a little um are you guys lively today? Yeah? Are you guys lively today? Yeah, I believe that. <laughs> I really believe you guys there. So let's just jump into the Bible. We're going to go to um, the book of Matthew. And we're going to go to uh, verse 10. I'm sorry, chapter 10. And we're going to be uh, in chapter 10, verses, verse 39. You guys all there? You overachievers. I'm not there yet. Okay. So before we get to it, why don't we pray? Heavenly Father, we just thank you. We thank you, Jesus, for this amazing time in worship. It was so good, God. We thank you for just sending your presence. Holy Spirit, I thank you for being here. I thank you for for using our worship team for just... You like drenched us in your love today, and we just, we thank you. We thank you. We, de- we delight in honoring you, Jesus. We delight in loving you, Father, and we, we are just so grateful that we get to call you Dad. We're so grateful that we get to call you our Savior, our Father, our Redeemer, just everything that you are for us. We're so grateful. Father, I ask that you would just bless this sermon. I ask that you touch everyone here. Again, I ask that you just speak. And um, we're just ready to love you and receive from you. In your name we pray, Jesus. Amen. 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 (laughs) Okay, so let's read. Matthew 10, verse 39. And we're going to be reading the message version. And it says, um, if your first concern is to look after yourself, you'll never find yourself. But if you forget about yourself and look to me, you'll find both yourself and me. So let me read that one more time. If your first concern is to look after yourself, you'll never find yourself. But if you forget about yourself and look to me, you'll find both yourself and me. Okay. So let me give you some context. Jesus, he, um, he was talking to his 12 disciples. So all of his 12 disciples, he's talking to them. And he's basically commissioning them. He's sending them out. He's told them that he's equipped them, that they're ready. Um, he's basically laid a foundation out for them. He's given them tips and expectations as to what they're going to do and what they're going to find when they're out there sharing him and sharing him with everyone else. Um, So while he's talking to them, he's just telling them not to worry about whatever may come their way, not to be afraid of of people not accepting their message or who didn't accept their message because it wasn't necessarily them that they were rejecting, but it was Jesus that they were rejecting. So he's, he's telling them, don't worry about how you're doing. Don't worry about where you're staying. Don't worry. And so then he goes on to say this. He goes on to tell them to just... Focus on Jesus. Can you guys say focus on Jesus? Okay. When I was reading this verse, I, um, it was crazy to see how 
you can really apply it to what's happening in the world today and how we can really take, take this on. But it's kind of difficult at the same time because we're living in a world that's kind of preaching the opposite. It's preaching that our first concern should be ourselves. And while this is saying that our first concern should not be ourselves, so the world that we're living in today is, is all about me, and it's so me-focused. You know, what am I going to do after service ends, you know? What, what do I want to accomplish in life? What do I want to do? What are my goals? How can I uh, assure my success? And what is success to me? What do I consider successful? Today is full of I's and me's. And so how do we... How do we practice this in a world where it's about me? How do we make it about him? So here's something that's very me, and um, I don't mean to make it about me, but it kind of goes with the message, so it'll make sense. Um, I have a birthday coming up, and uh, it's, it's crazy when you get older. I don't know if you guys do this, but um, you tend to reflect a lot you know, and, and you re reflect a lot on, like, what this year has been like for you, for me. Um, you know, what have you done? What have you accomplished? What's going on in your life? What are your plans? When are you going to get it together? You know, for some of us. Um, but you, you tend to reflect a lot. I don't know if you guys do that, but I do that. And so for me this year, as I reflected on my age and, and I was just thinking about how old I was turning... <laughs> I, um, I was reminded of Jesus because um, I'm turning 33. Thank you. It's pretty crazy. I, I was telling Mario this. I don't know if it's going to confuse you guys, but it's just, I'm just going to say it anyway. I was telling Mario this. I was telling him, I can't believe that I can say 10 years ago, and 10 years ago, I was an adult already you guys get me some of you guys say 10 years ago and you guys were like a teenager but I say 10 years ago and I was a full-on adult <laughs> and that's crazy because if this was 10 years ago this is where I lost him if this was 10 years ago and I would be saying 10 years ago I'd be 13 <laughs> but 10 years ago I was 23 years old that's just crazy to me I was just thinking, God, I'm old. No disrespect to anyone that's older than me, but just for me, I was thinking, God, I, I'm, I've kind of advanced in, in years, you know? I, I have quite a bit of years behind me. And um, so anyway, I was thinking, God, what did you do at, at, at 33? What was Jesus doing at 33? And what can I do at 33 that maybe will align me with Jesus? And so this year for me, this is my Jesus year. Amen? It's my Jesus year. You know how some people will say, like, when you turn 23, it's like your Michael Jordan year? Well, 33 is the Jesus year. So this Jesus year for me, I, I've been thinking, what do I want it to look like? You know, what do I want to do? How do I want to live? And um, I was kind of hit in the face as I was thinking about what my plans were. At 12 years old... Jesus was ready to move. Like, he was ready to, like, start things off, from what we know. I mean, maybe it's not written in the Bible, but maybe he was ready at three or at five. But from what the Bible says, at 12, he was ready to go. 
And God had to be like, hold on, it's not your time yet, you're a kid, be a kid. And so he respected his father and he obeyed his father. And it wasn't until he was 30 years old that he got the green light and he was like set to go. And so he did all of these things, right? Like he basically, at 30, he said, all right, I have the green light, I'm ready to go, I'm ready to do what I was called to do, and so I'm going to do it. I'm going to do what God has asked me to do, why I'm here, why Mary became the first virgin pregnant woman to have a baby. Like, that's why I was here. That's why that happened, so that I can come through her and, like, do my thing. You guys follow? Okay. So every day, from what we know of, from the, from the time Jesus turned 30 to the time Jesus turned 33, pretty much every day, Jesus was living for God. Jesus was living out his purpose. He was living out what God had called him to do, what God had placed him on this earth to do. He, you know, he was performing miracles, healing, loving on people, advising people, teaching people, equipping people. He was doing all of that throughout those three years. Pretty much every day from what we read in the Bible. Now, the Bible doesn't account for every day or everything that Jesus said because the Bible itself said that it would just fill up too many books. But, um, but I, I'm, I'm sure that every single day Jesus was touching somebody, speaking to somebody, loving on somebody. That's what he was, that's what he was placed here to do. But at the same time, he had his alone moments. He had his moments where he would take time and make time for himself. Like after he fed the 5,000, Jesus went, the Bible says that, he went away up into a hill and he just spent time with him and his father and just basically reflected and did whatever Jesus needed to do. Another time that he was off by himself was when, uh, when he asked God to switch things up. He said, hey, God, I know that I'm placed here on this earth to do something. Like, I know what you've called me to do. But is there any way possible that we can, like, switch things up a little bit? Like, do I have to do this? Like, is this really what I have to do? Is this really what I was called here to do? And to me, I think that that verse is very telling of the time. It's very telling of how he felt. And he's amazing, right? Jesus is amazing. But at that moment, we saw his, his, his full-fledged humanity. We saw him as a person, as a man. And it was very telling of how he was feeling. And I feel like it was very telling of how we feel sometimes. And at that time, what Jesus was saying was, I don't want to do this. I don't want to give my life. I don't want to go and endure what it is that I have to endure. I don't want to do it. Can you guys believe that? Jesus is, is, is so anxious. He's so stressed out that he's sweating blood. And he, he's telling his father, if there's anything else I can do to make this happen for us, please let me know because I'm all on board for that. But if this is what you want to do, then even though I don't want to do it, I'm going to do it. Because you've asked me to do it. Even though I don't want to do it, I'm going to do it for you. I'm going to do it because this is the plan. This is your plan. And I'm going to follow it. 
it's crazy how we encounter this dilemma sometimes in our own lives. I don't know if you guys ever feel like God asking you or pushing you to do something. Like whether he's asking you to, to, to make a move in your life or asking you to let go of something or, or switch something up. But you say, I don't want to do it. And sometimes, because it's all about us and, and not always about Jesus, we don't obey him because we don't want to do it. And so we don't waver. We, we stick to our guns and we say, no, I'm uncomfortable with that, so I'm not going to do that. It's probably not even you asking me to do that. And we think of all these like possibilities that basically legitimize or, or, or confirm for us why we shouldn't do that thing that's uncomfortable in our lives. But God is asking you to do it. It's crazy because, you know, we read this about Jesus. We read about how he served us every day of his life, right? He served us. He came to this earth to, to serve his people, to love his people, to heal them, to do all this stuff for them. Like, that's what he was here to do. He was selfless. It wasn't about him. Every day of his life for him was about following his father's will, about obeying what his dad had sent him to do, obeying what his dad had placed him on this earth to do. Amen? So um, my dad's birthday is also coming up. It's like almost a month away from mine. And um, it's pretty cool. Like I love celebrating my dad. How many of you guys love your fathers? Yeah, can we hear it for the dads? That was so sad. <laughs> so um, when I was little, I don't know if you guys ever did this, but when I was little, um, I would go to my dad, like a little kid, really excited, and, Daddy, it's your birthday. My voice was higher than that probably. But, you know, Dad, it's your birthday. Um, what do you want for your birthday? And uh, just really excited, right? You go up to your parents and ask them, like, what do you want for your birthday? I'm going to buy it with your own money, but what do you want, basically? <laughs> <laughs> and I remember my dad, uh, he would say this to me every year. And I don't know why I never learned. I kept asking every year. I think every year I kept hoping for a different answer, but the answer never changed. So when I whenever I would ask him, uh, you know, dad, what do you want for your birthday? He would say, he would say this. He would say, um, all I want for my birthday is for you to be obedient to your parents and for you to get along with your sisters. <sighs> what is that? <laughs> I remember like, oh, walking away so defeated. Like, that's not even a present. That's not a gift. I wanted to give him something like tangible, something physical, like a tie, a hat, a CD. Like a car, you know, something, something physical like that, that I can take and say, uh, here, Dad, this is how much I love you. Like a whole phone's worth of love for you on your birthday. That's what I wanted. That's how I wanted to show him that I loved him. But his response was dumb. I'm just kidding. His response was, be obedient to your parents. Get along with your sisters. I, I hated that answer. Like, I, I, I hated it. And every year, guys, like clockwork, it happened. 
And, and I was, I guess, obviously, we're here now talking about this. So obviously, I didn't get it at the time. I didn't realize what my dad was asking for. For me, on my dad's birthday, I wanted him to let me get him what I wanted to get him for his birthday. I wanted a, a certain answer, and when he didn't give me that answer, I felt defeated and, and almost insulted just because at the time I thought, you're just taking advantage of this time to like take a dig at me and point out something that I'm not doing for you. You know what I'm saying? But that wasn't the case, and I wasn't mature enough to understand what my dad was asking for. I didn't get it. Again, I just thought he was basically saying, there's nothing you can get me. And I would walk away from that so defeated. Um, but now, really thinking about it and analyzing it and through the Holy Spirit, finally getting, gaining that wisdom uh, as to what my dad meant by those three words, I finally understand that what my dad was asking for was peace. That's what my dad was asking for. Like it was a legitimate answer. He was actually telling me what he wanted for his birthday. But because it wasn't what I expected, I would disregard it and, and chalk it up to like, oh, you're just being my dad. But imagine, my dad, he grew up, or not he grew up, but he lived in a house with five women, to just him as a male. My mom, my three sisters, and me, and my dad. So what he was asking is for peace. I just want peace for my birthday. <laughs> but I, I didn't understand it. But if I can kind of switch things up for you guys a little bit. More than peace, my dad was asking me for something much deeper. Something that required for me to step out of my comfort zone. He was asking me to be obedient to him and my mom. And he was asking me to get along with my sisters. What my dad was asking me for was a lifestyle change. His, his request wasn't silly or dumb or weird. It was, it was legitimate, but it was just too big for me to understand. It made me too uncomfortable to want to accept. But my, my dad was asking me to change my life. He was asking me to change who I was. And I find that so crazy that at that age, I feel like God starts speaking to us, but we're not listening or we're not, we're not, we're hearing, but we're not listening to what he says. We're stuck in what we want and our idea of things and how I want to bless you for your birthday. What I want, what I think you would like, what I think you'll enjoy. But my dad was asking for a, for a legitimate thing, but I was too immature. Maybe, I mean, maybe it's probably the immature thing but I couldn't see it at the time. But to reflect on that now is, is pretty crazy. Amen. Let's go to Mark. And we're going to go to Mark 12. So we're going to read verse 28. 
But while we get there, as I was uh, preparing for this sermon and as I was um, as I was reflecting on this story, I realized how huge it was. Like what a big thing he was asking for, and it really it really reminded me of Jesus. And it painted a picture of, of Jesus for me and what he asks for us sometimes. What my dad was asking for, obedience and to get along with my sisters, those, those different things, they encompass so much. Like it's not just listening to your parents, but it, it, it encompasses so much more. Getting along with your sisters encompasses so much more than just getting along with your sisters. Do you guys follow? It, there's a lot to these things. And I want you guys to keep that in mind as we... Um, as we go in deeper into the, the sermon here. But you guys there, Mark, 20, Mark 12, 28? Okay, it says, one of the religion uh, scholars came up hearing the lively exchange of questions and answers and seeing how sharp Jesus was in his answers, he put, he put in his question, which is most important of all commandments? Jesus said, the first in importance is listen, Israel, the Lord your God is one. So love the Lord your God with all your passion and prayer and intelligence and energy. And there is the second, love others as well as you love yourself. There is no other commandment that ranks with these. So what Jesus is telling us here Two things that are the most important to him is for us to love God with everything we've got and to love each other. Those two things encompass a lot as well. Obedience is in that. Generosity, uh, patience, kindness. There's so much that goes into loving God with everything that we've got. So much. If you read John 14, uh, we're going to read it in a bit, but when you get home, if you read it on your own, if you read the whole thing, you'll find in there that Jesus said that, that this is how we would show others, and this is how we would show him that we loved him. He says, this is how you show me that you love me, if you obey my commands. So if we're disciples of Jesus, if we are to love Jesus, then all he's asking for us is to love him with everything we've got and for us to love each other with everything we've got. Isn't that crazy? He puts it for us very simply. It's like he takes it all the way down to like the bone and he says, as simply as I can, all I ask of you is that you love me and that you love each other. That's it. Let's forget about organizing and doing all of these other things for Jesus. It's simple as just loving him with everything we've got and loving others with everything we've got as well. Amen. And obviously everything that comes into that, we can grow into. But to simplify things, to make things easy for us, to give us a really good starting off place, all he's saying is, is these words. Are you guys following? If we are to put him first, then we should probably listen to what matters to him most. My dad, in the example that I gave you, he was telling me what he actually wanted. 
but I wasn't really putting him first. I wasn't really listening to him. And if we're gonna love Jesus, if we're gonna follow Jesus, it makes sense to put him first, right? It makes sense to, to listen attentively and say, what do you want me, and figure, these, figure this out with him. I feel like, like God has been talking to us ever since a young age. I'm sure that if you guys scan your memory right now, you guys can find a time where God was, was teaching you something that came back to you as an adult and it finally clicked. And I don't know if you guys think back and think, oh wow, you know, God, God pointed that to me when I was younger. But obviously because I was younger, I didn't get it, but now it makes more sense and it has all this depth and it has this, this connection with him where I can see that even as a younger child, he was trying to reach me. And it just shows how intimate God goes with you. It just shows his intimacy and his desire to connect with all of us. In Matt 10 that we just read, what Jesus is asking is he's asking us to change our lifestyles. That's what he's asking us to do. He's asking us to put him first. And in a society, in a world where it's putting ourselves first, he's asking us to change and go against where we're at, to go against what we've been taught, to go against what we've been living for such a long time. Are you guys getting what I'm saying? I know that I'm repeating it a lot and maybe I'm rephrasing it in different ways, but I just want you guys to understand because as I was going through this and, and as, as we're going through our weeks and we look at like the state of our, our world right now, it's really easy to want to fix things, right? It's really easy to say, man, we should do this or we should do that or we should get up and organize this and that. But we just need to get it together first. You know, it's crazy because our lives are full of, some of our lives are full of what we want in life. And some, some of us will cut corners and we'll, we'll do what we want in our life. Like we'll, we'll, we'll do what we selfishly desire, but we'll say, I'm doing this for the Lord. I'm skateboarding for the Lord. Or like, you know what I'm saying? Like we do something for the Lord. And we say for the Lord to, to like legitimize it sometimes or to make it seem like it may be what I want to do, but at least I'm doing it for God. So that kind of like, that's okay. Like I'm good. It's what I want, but it's at least I'm doing it for the Lord. Do you guys follow me? And sometimes we, we make, we cut those corners for us, like within ourselves, because we're really sneaky. I don't know if you guys are sneaky. Can you, do you guys feel like you can be sneaky sometimes? And we, we, we discover little shortcuts and ways that we can like cut corners. It's so funny. So yeah, I didn't understand what my dad's request was, but now I understand what Jesus wants from us. Like I understand what he's asking us to do. And it's a big thing to do. It's a big change to, to make in our lives. It's something that requires us to be selfless, to step out of our comfort zones, amen? But I wanna tell you this, if you follow his lead, if you follow God's lead, if you decide today, like, I'm not going to cut the corners, I'm not going to, like, sneak around and make up ways to, like, do what I want, but do it for you somehow. If, if we decide and say, you know what, God, I'm going to put you first, then he's not going to let you down. And that's really important 
Because what that is, is it's called trust. And sometimes when we really look at things and we, we scratch all the way down to our surface, sometimes really the reason why we don't follow God or the reason why we don't give our lives to Jesus or the reason why we don't like give up our will for him, honestly, it's because you don't trust Jesus. It's because you don't trust him to have your back. And you don't trust that he can manage your life a whole lot better than you can manage your life. And that's, that's probably the reason why we deal with this a lot. That's probably the reason why we hold on to things and we hold on to people. And we don't make the changes that he's asking us to make. It's because we, at the end of it, at, at the really deep core of ourselves, we don't really trust Jesus. And I think it's okay that we admit that. I think it's important that we admit that. Because if you admit that to yourself, if you because God already knows, if you admit it to yourself, then you've got a solid, really awesome start to work things out with him. If you sit down and say, you know what, Jesus, I know you're asking me to um, not go to, I don't know, Florida and go to Nebraska. Like, I know that you're asking me, I know that you're asking me that. But the truth is, is that I just don't trust you to make that call for me. If you tell him that, then he'll start to work with you. But it's important that you consciously sit down and have these conversations with Jesus. Have these conversations with God. If you don't trust God with the Holy Spirit, if you don't trust the Holy Spirit, have conversations with your maker and tell him these things. Open yourself up. Because it's hard to put him first. It's hard to follow his lead when you don't trust him. But if you decide to trust him, he won't let you down. He will set you up for success. And maybe along the way, maybe you'll fall or stumble. But I want you to understand this. Even though you may fall or stumble, you won't fail or become a failure. Are you guys listening? Even if you fail or stumble in life, even if you make the wrong turn somewhere, he will not allow you to fail. And you will never be a failure. It's so important to trust him, especially today. There's so many good people today. There's so many like well-to-do people and organizations and people that really have good intentions. And I don't question that because in their heart, in their minds, we all do have good intentions when we're trying to do something good. When we feel like we're a good person, that's true for us. We really do feel like we're a good person. All we want, from, from what we've heard, it seems like all people want is equality. They want to feel important and like they matter. That's really what people want. They want fairness and they want to be loved and they want to feel like they matter in this world. And they do matter. Jesus wants the same things. He wants to give us all the same favor. My husband was talking about that last, last Sunday 
where God God gave the Israelites all the same favor, all the same baptism, the same cloud, the same pillar of fire. God wants to treat us all favorably. But if we don't know him, we won't understand that. So let's go to John 14 now. Um, And we're going to go John 14, verse 22. And we're still on uh, the message version. You guys there? Okay. So it says this. Judas, not Iscariot, to make that clear, said, Master, why is it that you're about to make yourself plain to us but not to the world. Why, why are we going to see you, but not the world? And this is what Jesus says. He says, excuse me. He says, because a loveless world, said Jesus, is a sightless world. If anyone loves me, he will carefully keep my word, and my father will love him, will move right into the neighborhood. Not loving me means not keeping my words. This message you are hearing isn't mine. It's the message of the Father who sent me. So the world right now is sightless. And it's loveless. Because they don't know Jesus. And if they don't know Jesus, you guys follow me? So if they don't know Jesus, who points to the Father meaning they don't know the Father, then they don't know love. And this is why it's important that we know Jesus. Because if we know Jesus, then we know love. Because God is what? What is God? God is love. And in a loveless world, we need to know God. We need to know Jesus. We need our sight. Today, our world is saying that Jesus is outdated and ridiculous. To our world right now, Jesus is an old white Republican. That's what it is right now. Jesus is an old white Republican man who's trying to butt into our business and tell us how to live our life. But that's not the case, right? We know that because he's made ourselves plain to us. But to those who don't know him, they can't know his love. And it's funny, I was, I was reading, I don't know which of the version or verse, verses I was reading, but Paul says, or actually Jesus says, he says it's funny because this message of love creates hate. And it seems like that, right? Like our cause is to love. That's what Jesus has sent us for. Because at the beginning, if you remember, what were the two things that were more important to Jesus? Love God and love others. And the the, the main point of that is love, right? He's asking us to love. But this message of love that he has stirs up hate in others. And that's crazy. And he was pointing that out in Matthew 10. Read it when you get home. He mentions how it's crazy to him how this message of love that his 12 disciples are supposed to go spread are going to stir up so much, so much hate. 
because it makes people uncomfortable, because it doesn't give people what they want. So let's go to, back to Matthew. We're going to, we're going to go to Matthew verse 10 again. But we're going to read a little bit, a little bit earlier in the chapter. We're going to start at verse 5. You guys there? Okay. So, how do we fix the problem that we have today? How do we fix it? How do we show people who God is? How do we show love? How do we love Jesus? How do we love others? How do we, how do, we do this that God is asking us to do? Because it's really easy for me to come and preach to you guys. We should do, do, we should do this. We should do that. But I want to give you guys an answer. And it's not my answer, but it's Jesus' answer, which is awesome. I'm, I'm glad that he gave us answers in his Bible. So let's read verse 5. You guys all there? Okay, it says, Jesus sent his 12 harvest hands out with this charge. So this is what he said to them. Don't begin by traveling to some far-off place to convert unbelievers. And don't try to be dramatic by tackling some public enemy. Go to the lost, confused people right here in the neighborhood. Tell them that the kingdom is here. Bring health to the sick. Raise the dead. Touch the untouchables. Kick out the demons. You have been treated generously. So live generously. Don't think you have to put on a fundraising campaign before you start. You don't need a lot of equipment. You are the equipment. And all you need to keep that going is three meals a day, travel light. Wow. <laughs> that, that's it. That's, that's it. That's what he's asking us. This is, this is our answer. We don't need anything. We are the something that is needed. You don't need any other equipment but, but what you have, but who you are, to make a difference. You want to make a difference in this world, brother and sister? Do you get outraged when you see these things happening, when you see women marching for things and you feel like, dang, I, I feel like they're not marching for the right reasons. I feel like they're not protesting for the right thing. I feel like they just don't know the truth. If you get upset, if your blood boils when you see injustice, when you see people not knowing Jesus, and you wonder to yourself or you ask yourself, what do I do in this situation? This is what you do in this situation. This is your answer. This is what God is telling you to do. He's sending you out because he's equipped you. We are his disciples, right? We are his children. And if you as his children decide to put him first, then you'll be sent out. He wants to send you out, equip you to make these changes happen, to bring these justices about that need to be brought up, to make the change, the transformation, the liberation, the, the switch that this world needs. This is what he's saying. 
Let's keep reading. Let's go to verse 39. Actually, I didn't give this to Jair, but we're going to start at 38. So all of this in the, is in the same context. It's, it's so much to read to you guys right now. So read it at home. Please read it at home because it'll, it'll, you'll get the whole meat of it. But this is what Jesus says. It says, if you don't go all the way with me through thick and thin, you don't deserve me. If your first concern is to look after yourself, you'll never find yourself. But if you forget about yourself and look to me, you'll find both yourself and me. We first need to make a life change and decide today or choose today to put him first in your life. This is a serious moment for you guys. It's up to you right now to decide if you're going to put him first in your life. If that's something that you want to do today. Today's a perfect day. It's not even raining. God has, has cleared the skies for you today to make a choice. What is he asking you to do that you're not doing? What is he asking you to let go of that you're holding on to? Where is he, where is he moving you towards that you're resisting and giving him pushback? You're the only one that can answer these questions, obviously. But these are questions that you may have right now. These are questions that you may be asking yourself right now. At 33, Jesus gave his life so that we could live. And me, I'm going to speak for me, but me at 33, I'm going to decide to live a life for him. And before I preached this message to you, I was, I was in the restroom at home getting ready. And I was asking God if I was ready to say this to you guys. Because one of, one of my fears is I don't want to be a hypocrite in front of you guys. I don't want to come and preach to you a message that I myself won't challenge myself to, to live out. And I was really searching my heart. And I was really, really, really just looking within me and, and, and talking to God about it and asking him, is this something that I can do already? Like, if I haven't been doing it yet, if I've been in and out of living this way for you, is this something that finally now I can say, I'm going to commit it and see it all the way through? Is this something that I can do, Lord? And I was talking with him and I told him, you know what, God? I can't. I can't do this. So I need your help. I need your help to do this. I need his help to do this. And some of you guys may feel the same. Some of you may want to do this and feel like you can't come through 
And what I want to tell you is that just because you can't come through doesn't mean that you shouldn't try. Because you have a God that is mightier than your simple try. You have a God that's stronger than your strongest day. And so if you can't do it, but you want to do it, do it anyway. If God is asking you to do it, but you don't want to do it, do it anyway. Because he will help you through it. He will strengthen you to do it. All you have to do is love him with everything you've got and love others. And everything else he will add. So this is what I want to do with the worship team up here. And I'm almost done. I want us all to, to close our eyes. Or actually, if you guys could just stand, that would be great. We're going to change our feel, our mood. We're going to create a, a, an atmosphere for you guys to feel, to feel comfortable. I want you to feel safe. God is here. Jesus is here. He's not pointing a finger at you. Nobody's pointing a finger at you. We, we want to encourage you. I want to encourage you. So with, with all of your eyes closed, I just want to ask you guys to search into your heart right now. And if you feel like you need to recommit yourself to God, if you feel like maybe some, somewhere along the way you lost connection with him, or maybe you, you decide today that, that you, you want to just put him first beyond everything else, if this is something that you want to do today, Know that you can do it freely. Nobody's watching. Nobody's judging. This is a safe place for you. So if today you want to you wanna just say, God, I accepted you, but I want to accept you again. God, I've been living in and out of my relationship with you. I want to just say, I'm done with that. I'm in it for the long haul. If today you want to say, God, I'm going to put you first then you can do that today. You know, to extend your hands out, to extend your hands fully out is a sign of surrender. So if you want to make these choices today, all I ask is that you just extend your hands out as a sign of surrender to your God, to no one else but to your Jesus. Just extend your hands out and he knows everything that you're saying to him. He knows everything that's going on in your heart. So take this moment with your hands stretched out to say what you need to say to him. Father, today, Jesus, today I decide to put you first. Even on the days where I can't, God, I decide to put you first. I decide to live for you, God. I decide to, to follow you, to trust you, Lord. I trust you today, God. Even though I don't really trust you today, God, I'm going to proclaim that I trust you today, God. I'm going to declare that my soul will trust you today, God. Because that was what my soul was meant to do. 
So speak to your Father. Speak to Jesus. Let the Holy Spirit empower you. Holy Spirit, you have the freedom to move, to touch. Just move, Holy Spirit. Bless your people, God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Keep speaking to him. Keep reaching out to him. Pour everything out to him. If you want to come up here, you can do that too. But have freedom to express yourself to your Jesus today. Thank you for listening to the Grace and Love podcast. We hope you were blessed by this message. If you have a prayer request, we would love to hear from you. Please feel free to contact us. And if you're in the LA area, we would love to meet you. We have services Sundays at 2 p.m. and Fridays at 8 p.m. We are located at 1900 Medford Street, Montebello, California, 90640. Thanks again, and God bless you.